I am Samson Burrell, and you are tuned into Entitled to Truth. Again, I'm your host, Samson Burrell. Tamika Hayes, a.k.a. Big T. And today, we have a very special guest with us. Miss Diane Adoma. Well, hold up. Wait a minute. Right. Let me stop myself. Dr. <laughs> Diane Adoma. Did I say that correctly, Dr.? We flaunt that sometimes. We flaunt it sometimes. I want to read a bit of your bio because when I read it, I got goosebumps. <laughs> Dr. Diane Adoma is the current owner of Diane Adoma Consulting, LLC, a professional management firm who specializes in training, communication, and marketing. She is the former owner of Adoma and Associates BDA Block in Rochester County and was the first black American to own these franchises in the southern United States. When I heard that, I said, that put you wow. in a category all Both by yourself. yourself. You mean I don't have to share? Not that category. <laughs> Tell me what is it like. And I want to talk to you about two different topics. I'll be a business owner, a black woman business owner. Let's, let's make a distinction in that. And what it was like being in politics in Stonecrest, Georgia. Choose which one you want to start with first. Well, I think we'll start with what is it like being a black businesswoman, especially in 2022 when um, the number of women represented overall in the United States or even worldwide is still quite slim. So we have a long ways to go. The struggle continues. But one of the main things with women is in corporate America, which is where most of us start out, you know, you still don't see a lot of brown and dark faces in the boardroom. That's where the decisions are made. And oftentimes, because of our talent, we're seen as people are intimidated by our talent, and uh, are we become the mean black woman? If we I was going to say, that's, yes. that's, that's the angry oh, black woman syndrome yes. that's out there. God forbid you're smart. <laughs> yes, and if you are aggressive, like I am, type mm-hmm. A behavior, they label you as, you know, stay in your place, or it's not your time yet, or, you know, you're, um, you're too... Um, you're too aggressive, you know, slow down a little bit. But I noticed that it's a little different with men. I'm not saying that the men should be, you know, set aside or even the women. But I think if you have the talent and the know-how, you should be able to make as much money as the man make if you're doing the same job. And sadly, that's not the case. I think we're making a little bit of progress now based on the data that I pulled. But ladies... And gentlemen, we still have a long ways to go. Have you ever been given the title of an angry black woman? Yes, I have. (laughs) She's smiling too. (laughs) Yes, I have. And I wore the title probably because they were so, uh, I was just so misunderstood. Mm -hmm. And if given the opportunity to sit down and to be able to chat with those people and for them to get to know me better, they'll find out that I'm just a go-getter. I'm just somebody who believes in, you know, you have to walk the walk, can't be a talker. And um, and right now we are still perceived in a negative light if we step up to say, hey, I want my share of the pie, too. But nonetheless, the person that I am, I won't back down if I think I'm right. Um, I'm somebody who will, you know, 
take my last breath defending what I believe in, especially for uh, women businesses. Has it been hard being a, number one, a black woman, a black woman business owner in the state of Georgia? That's a good question. Um, It has been hard. However, Georgia is beginning to make um, progress in that area. They just um, designated what they call a diversity um, director for the state of Georgia. And that person's goal is simply to go out and to ensure that black women or minorities in general are getting their share of the pot. If you want to take a look at how far behind we are, You can go back to 1964. Let's talk federal law for a minute. Um, On the book, we have a law. It's a federal law. It's um, 49 CFR Section 26. That law addresses the disadvantaged business enterprises. It actually points out the role of the state in being able to award um, contracts to the small businesses. And even today, we see that that particular federal law is still not being... It's um, a law on the books. It's a law on the books. And so 50 years fast forward, we still are not not there. It's just a law on the books. It's just there on the books. So I stand for if it's on the books, let's make it work for us. Hello. I like that. What would be your encouraging words to young Black women that want to go into business but does but doesn't have the support that doesn't have the financial bagging and do not have the self motivation because to me to even get to even before the support and the financial situation there has to be some kind of something within you the motivation within you to say I can do this especially in this day and age in this country with as much as going on, a lot of people say, no, I'm going to wait. I think there are two things that um, people need to realize that it takes a very special person in, in character to be able to, number one, start and run a successful small business. Every big business at some point was what? A little business. So, and then when it comes to politics, so we're going to overlap the two of those for just a second. It takes, uh, politics is not for the frail, the weak, the scary. It's for a person who don't mind taking some hits for what you believe in. Same thing agrees with business. Let me give an example. If you worked in um, a corporation and they, they give you a job description, you have to stay within the confines of the job description. So if you're a very creative person, Sometimes you're not able to just blossom because they put you in this box. And if you get outside the box, again, you're labeled. Right. You're labeled. Don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to be able to recognize that I'm not a box person. I was not a box person. I kept going to these corporate jobs and I would do well. But then there were times when I would just excel. And when I excelled outside of that box, I was labeled as a problem employee. Mm. So you were punished for being excellent. Yes. Black excellence. Right. For thinking on your own. Right. For thinking on your own. Mm-hmm. And so going going back to your original question, 
You have to know what type of person you are. If you like structure and you like punching a clock and you like someone telling you what to do, I highly recommend you stay with an eight to five. Because you're going to, you're going to, as an No, you didn't. No, you didn't, Dr. Adoma. Yes, I do. No, you didn't, Dr. Adoma. Yes, I do. Because as an entrepreneur, you're going to starve to death. Because you have to hunt for a living every day. Every day, all day. You have to hunt for a living when you're an entrepreneur. So you got to know yourself. You got to know which one of these roads you want to take because you got to be able to feed yourself. That's true. That's true. So don't get it wrong. <laughs> you just mentioned an overlap of politics. You know, that's my His favorite subject. That is, that, that is my bread and butter. <laughs> if I had to feed my family on that, we would never starve. I do know that you were at one time the councilwoman. That's that correct? That's right. In Stonecrest, Georgia. Yes, I was. Stonecrest has been given a lot of not good news since it since its birth into the city, city of Stonecrest, Georgia. When you hear people say, maybe it was a mistake. Maybe you all moved too fast. When I say you all, I mean the city. Were you on the original <coughs> plan? Or the original? Yes. Okay. I was on the inaugural okay. um, council. So, if I may res respond to your question, is first of all, I supported cityhood. I still support cityhood. Um, oftentimes, it is not the city that is the problem because Stonecrest is full of resources and um, full of potential. It's the leadership. And we have to recognize when you're a new city, it's not like you're stepping in somebody's shoes and you have this template, right? Like a resume. You got a template that you can follow. When you are a new business, accountability, new business, new organization, new council, accountability and transparency becomes extremely important. Why? Because there's no blueprint for you to follow. And so putting the right people in those positions was critical. And I think that's the part that the people may have missed and are still missing, you know, that particular component. It takes a lot of work and a lot of what I call character and work ethic, a lot of transparency, and definitely a lot of accountability. For the first time, you have new council members dealing with, you know, millions and millions of dollars and now dealing with um, different partners that they normally may not have to answer to. And so being able to recognize, to recognize that transparency is like the bleach. It's bleach. You know, we use bleach to disinfect during the pandemic. We were using all this bleach right. and sanitizer. Why? Because it gets rid of the bacteria, the germs and all of that. Same thing applies when you're, when you're in a business or a, let me speak for a council. Then the tra being transparent with the citizens is kind of like the bleach. It actually is the reverse of what people think. It is the protection for the for the elected official if you're transparent. Why? Because you're sharing what you know with the people. So collectively, we're owning it if it does good, and we're owning it if it does bad. But that's not what's happening. That's not what's happening. What's happening is that. The people are not being cued in as part of the solution. Because if you talk to anyone in Stonecrest, 
They will tell you what they want. So why is it we don't have it yet? The potential is there. Let's talk from a positive perspective. Stonecrests have lots of potential. We should now be nationally like one of the large, we are the largest black city in, um, in, um, DeKalb County. We're the largest black city in DeKalb County. We're the first city to incorporate since reconstruction. That's big. So we need to, we needed to have shown that we can govern. And my track record speaks for itself on the council. I believe in transparency. I believe in accountability. I still believe in it, even if it's me. And I think if we go back to the governing piece, to have a great city, you have to have a great foundation and a great infrastructure. So it breaks my heart that we are where we are, but I think hopefully this will be an opportunity and it won't continue to lead to what we just saw, what, two days ago? The bookkeeper was just um, um, sentenced to her prison sentence. And then, you know, the mayor has already been sentenced here report in December. But that's nothing to be proud of. And there's nobody should beat a man or kick a man when he's down. But what we need now is leadership that cares and who will sacrifice for the benefit of the black community. Unselfish, sounds like. Well, so I remember uh, one time a lady attended a council meeting in Stonecrest. And she called me. She said, Samson, you should go and attend a Stonecrest meeting. It's like going to the zoo. <laughs> and I'm like, what? That's the zoo. She said, attend the Stonecrest council meeting. And witness it for yourself. So I did. The next mm-hmm. thing I witnessed it. You went to the zoo. Well, I'm going to tell you what disappointed me. I hated to see our people fighting among each other for nothing. And when I say for nothing, we should be in a position where we should be able to meet each other on common ground. Mm-hmm. And if we do have a disagreement, let's talk about that behind closed doors Mm -hmm. and not out in front of a council meeting so all the world can see. Because guess what? Mm -hmm. There were people who went to those council meetings just to see the infighting. Right, just to see the... the... (laughs) And that tells you about people in general. You go to a meeting just to hear the infighting to go back and gossip. And then guess what? Everybody's talking to get stone crits. How did, how did that make you feel as a councilwoman to know that just maybe, just maybe we can move from first base to second base, but there's too much obstacles in between? Well, obviously, it didn't make me feel good. And I do agree with what you just said. Um, too often, we throw the baby out with the bathwater. And we haven't reached that plateau yet where we can respect a difference of opinion. Um, conflict is, is inevitable in any organization, even in our households. There's disagreement and conflict. There's politics everywhere. It is not that. It's how you deal with it, as you said. And we didn't have an as of today. We still don't have an ethics board. I know you know that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've fought very hard 
when I was on that board for an ethics board from day one, not just when the heat came down, but from day one. Because as of today, the citizens, if they have a complaint, they really don't have anywhere to go. And from what I understand, they're not able to go to DeKalb because they're still trying to get their act together. And so what's happening is people are just letting us fight it out. Mm -hmm. And they don't care because our city is 99% African-American. There you go. And it's always in the news. The the negativity is always in the news. And let me tell you about, let me say something about the ethics board. And I said this before, when they disbanded the ethics board here in DeKalb County. When you take away the ethics board, you give people the opportunity of not being accountable. Right. And hold them to what they do and say. Exactly. The removal, and I want people to understand that. The removal of a governing body to let people know how to act in office, what to do, what they can do. When you take that away, that security blanket, you tell them you can do as you please in conduct, in money, in funds, in whatever necessary, because guess what? There's no accountability. And there's no penalty. Right. And the only penalty, we're where we are now because there were no penalties on that lower level. There was no way to correct these issues as they arose. And so now this is where we are. And unfortunately, it's it's just not a pretty picture. But I'm hoping for the best. (laughs) I have a question. Um, I heard you mention that you like, you support cityhood, right? Mm -hmm. Um, What advice would you give to cityhood people knowing that you were on the Council of Stonecrest? That's a very good question, and thank you, Tamika, for asking that. When you are forming a new city, sometimes the people who are in the room making a sausage, so to speak, (laughs) you kind of like are planning it. You feel like, I deserve this position. Why? Because I'm the one who thought of the idea. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the one that thinks of the idea is not the best one to actually run this. Right. Can I say that again? Shut right. the front door. The founder like, is generally not the best one to run. Shut it. the front door. I dropped the mic, dear. Personal, too, too much. Yes, it's this. I deserve it. Right. And the way I was raised, we had to work and earn. And if my mom and dad was still alive, grandma and all of them, they would still be telling us the same old thing. You don't work, you don't eat. Mm. And that they would. Uh, the other thing is, when you go and apply for a job, the first thing they want to know, what are your capabilities? What can you do? How do I know you can do this job? But when it comes to cityhood, sometimes we bypass what's important. You still need the skill set and the right demeanor. You know, I've published um, a dissertation and it, it dealt with the different types of leadership. And the the leaders who are more uh, accountable, engaging, transparent, those are the better leaders. Now, you got a transactional leader, which is more of a military type leader, where they say do A, B, C, and D, and then jump out of the plane, right? But there are other types of... (laughs) Without the parachute. But there are other types of leadership that requires a little massaging along with the talent. And the skills, just like a resume applying for a job. You should have to apply for that job. And not have it awarded to you. 
Right. I want to piggyback on cityhood because that is an issue here in unincorporated DeKalb County. For those who do not know, we are in DeKalb County, Georgia, which is an unincorporated. There are certain areas. Right, not all of them. That that are unincorporated. We recently had on this very show, Dr. Catherine Rice, who spoke about cityhood. We do have coming on the show people who are against cityhood. Someone asked me what was my position on cityhood, and I said, I do believe that people have the right to vote. Now, that in itself is a conversation in itself, having the right to vote, because what are you voting for? The conversation in itself. When I hear people say that they want better for themselves, their property, their kids, but you do not want to change the form of government, that's redundant to me. You complain about the current government, but you don't want a new form of government. Because people say, when we get a new form of government, there is a layer of taxes now added on to that new form of government. So we're, now we're paying more taxes. When, when you hear that, when you hear people that's for cityhood and against cityhood, even though you were the councilwoman in Stonecrest, do you think for a moment that just maybe cityhood is not the best solution? You know, you said... Or, or. Do you think it is or do you think it's not? I think that... Now, I want you to know we got a large audience here. Today, so <laughs> be careful what you say. This is the real hot seat. But, That's okay. But now, Let me look in the camera. We are in an undisclosed location, so you are safe here. <laughs> you safe with me. <laughs> well, first of all, I want to begin the conversation with it depends. And the reason it depends is because you, you, cityhood is a group of people collectively working together for the benefit of that particular area. And I think we can all agree on that. Right, right. Or maybe themselves. Or, yes, there is an or to that. Or cityhood can be a group, a small group of individuals working for the benefit of them, and the citizens just have to take whatever those outcomes are. How do you know which one of them is going to be the the outcome of your city? I'm talking for individuals, right? How do you know that? That is where the vetting process comes into play. That is where it all goes back to structure. It all goes back to how you're going to manage that process. And that managing that process means you have to have a lot of accountability with any new city. So, so, so my good name is just not good enough. No. Your good name is not good enough. No. And even though you may say, I went to every board meeting when we were planning this, I pumped thousands of dollars into it. I did this. I lived in DeKalb County all my 60 some years or whatever it is. That's how they are defining leadership. Leadership, yeah. That's far from the truth. And that's why 
I believe we don't have better governance. It's the people. It's not the city. It's the people who are making the decisions. That is the problem. And that is why I refuse to say cityhood is good or bad. Cityhood is based on your leadership. And that determines whether the city is good or bad. Even with all the challenges, natural challenges, maybe like in, in, um, before we became a city, there are certain areas in, um, in Stonecrest where you cannot dig what, what a few feet and you hit that granite or that rock. And so you have to recognize the resources and the talents in the community. And then Samson and Tamika, you got to know what to do with it. Doesn't matter. You know, I had a person tell me once we were at a conference. He said, you know, Dr. Doma, if I put everything in the middle of this table that y'all need to solve a problem, it was about 12 of us consultants. and We had to solve a problem. I was working on a feasibility study. He said, if I put everything in the middle of this table that you need to solve this problem, if somebody there don't know how the pieces of that puzzle work and fit together, it doesn't matter what, yeah. what I can have gold and silver there. doesn't matter. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's the people. So I have another question. Because um, I feel like you guys can come together. If Cityhood could get some of the Stonecrest board members in, whatever, maybe all come together. And this is a platform that we can make it happen. You guys can maybe give them, or those guys, because you're former, right? Mm -hmm. Can give them some advice and don't do it this way, do it this way. Mm -hmm. And maybe they would help them form that city. And you, what you just mentioned is called collaboration. Yes. It's a collaborative mm -hmm. effort. Right. And I'll give a good example real quick for time. Mm -hmm. In Alabama, there was a mayor who, there was a young guy that ran against an incumbent, a strong incumbent. The young man lost the race. True story, because mm -hmm. I did some work for them. He lost the race. The minute the race was over with, guess what that mayor did? He went to that person and said, I want to make you a consultant. You know why? That mayor realized this guy had wow. talent. I need him. And as of today, he is still working there under contract. I don't know if our city has understands the collaborative effort, they don't have every, you don't have everything up here. That's why you bring a group of people to solve problems. Anybody who think they got all the answers is a danger to us and a danger to, to society. society. Yes. Amen. 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 <laughs> Dr. Adoma, I am burning to ask you this question. As a small business, as a black woman, I have to make sure I emphasize that because we do need more black women as small business owners. And as a former councilwoman, what, how would you define economic development? Um, that's a broad question. So I'm going to try to be a little specific in my answer. I think I would want to define it as being able to grow your community 
by way of using your existing resources in the community, as well as partnering with external resources in the community. Um, the biggest way, though, the, what, to me, I say government contracting is the fast track to wealth. And the reason I say that is because it might take you a long time to build the infrastructure to be able to bid on a $10 million contract. But when you think about it, all you need is one. All you need is one. And if we focus on, particularly in our black communities, if we focus on small businesses, growing them uh, by way of partnering with the government, the government buys just about every single service or product that, that we can possibly offer. And so I think if we can build um, small business incubators, I mean, real incubators where we can measure and benchmark. And at the end of the day, we can see if these businesses are truly growing. A lot of times we start programs, they sound good, they look good. But at the end of the day, nobody's making any progress. Right. I like to see uh, my city become a thriving hub, an economic hub for innovation and for small business growth. And that is not a pipe dream. That can actually happen if we rally behind, you know, gathering the people, letting people have a say. When you involve and engage the citizens in the solution, they're going to support it, even if it doesn't work. But when you go out and you make decisions about zoning and permitting to certain businesses that the community just don't want, you need to listen to them. And one thing I was taught when I was an elected official, I attended all the trainings for GMA, is that if you err, this is what they told me. They say, Diane, if you err, Air on the side of the citizens and they'll fight for you. But don't always, this, this is not banging or saying we're not um, going to listen to our developers and our builders and the people who want to bring need. We need that. But at the same time, we don't want people dumping in our mm -hmm. communities. You know, don't bring all these types of businesses that are not going to improve the quality of my life. And you call that economic development? Right. I would argue that all day long. So when you say dumping, okay, get into well, it. this is the issue that I have. I do know that cities need small businesses to survive. What I do not agree with is how other ethnic races come into our community and put their Hello. business and make millions of dollars mm -hmm. and take that money elsewhere. They send it back home. I know right now of a guy that owns multiple BP gas stations in DeKalb County. He lives in the form area of Georgia. I the name doesn't come to my mind. But he puts no money back into the community. He takes that money to where he lives. He doesn't put it back into the community. But it seems we can get our people to get those same businesses in our... Because in our community, our black business, to some people, means free. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's the truth. To some people, a black business means free. Or give me a discount. discount. Mm -hmm. Right. Let me get a... No. But you don't ask Gucci for a discount. Right. Right. 
You don't ask even workers for a discount. Right. But you want to come into the black business and can I get a discount? You don't ask Publix either. Mm-hmm. You don't say, oh, can I short you 50 cents? No. You're going to take off one of them items. Mm-hmm. And you, you pay that have, price. You're going to have enough for what you got. If, if you 50 cents over, then you're going to have to put something back. Do you see a growth in our community when it comes to black businesses? I don't think I see the growth that, because see, I'm looking ahead and I'm looking at what can be. I'm looking at potential. When I look at the potential for growth, I don't see it. And I'm speaking for my community. Um, So let's really get it clear. I'm just speaking on the data that I have. Um, I don't see the growth, but I see the potential for the growth. Let me give an example. You talked about um, businesses coming in and making a whole bunch of money and then going back to their respective communities. Every time we have to step outside of our community to purchase something that is not in our community, up to about 80% of our tax dollar is remaining in like another city. I won't call any city names, but if you can't find it in Stonecrest and you're going outside of Stonecrest, your tax dollars are going to maybe somebody else's child to take piano lessons or for their boating experience or whatever it is. So we have to recognize that if we want our communities to be strong, we got to do it ourselves, and we have to also um, minimize the type of projects that are considered unpleasant and that are not putting not that are not investing back into the community. Let me give another way that a business can invest. Say, for example, they say, well, I don't want to leave my home up in North Georgia or wherever they are. Then when you come into the city of Stonecrest, we should have programs and different different types of um, partnerships where what they can do is say, okay, since I live up here, I'm going to dump $2 million into the local community to buy books for the children at the local elementary school. I'm going to build a park for the children. You you need to invest something back into the community. Otherwise, you're doing exactly what you just said. You're just taking, taking, taking back somewhere. You're not putting nothing back into my community. You're not even hiring people who look like me in, in my community. Definitely, definitely. I would fight that all day long. Maybe that's why I'm where I am today, because I would fight certain things that other people are, you know, are kind of afraid to speak out about. Now, be careful, because you will be labeled as an angry black woman. Oh, I'm angry anyway, so what's up? I must ask you You this question. You know that mad black woman got to kick Right, right. I must ask you this, because it's burning my hands. You recently ran for mayor of Stonecrest. You see my sad face. What lessons did you learn in running for mayor? That was one of the toughest races. And I've ran a lot of them, as you know. I've lost more than I've won. And that last race, if anything was going to take the breath out of me, I think it was that last race. Not because of the loss. I've lost many things in my life. And it's been a stepping stone to success in other areas. But I think that loss, I took it very, very personal. And that was because I saw that the people were not getting the real information. And I didn't have the resources 
to actually control the airwaves and to do more grassroots. It just wasn't enough there. But I think what was more disturbing is that I was finding so many people who, when I go to their door, I would say something and they would say, oh, I didn't know that. These are basic things. If you live in a community that you should know, I knew then my race was in danger. I knew that the people were not really in sync or they didn't really have accurate knowledge about what the city needed. And I think that bothered me. And I was praying that God, please let enough people see that we need somebody who will put them first, putting them first. And I don't care what we have to sacrifice We need to put our people first. And the reason I say that is because when we don't put our people first, the quality of our lives cannot improve. That was the problem. So the loss, I'm used to taking losses, but it was a loss where I think people voted with inaccurate information. So moving forward, any other run for office? Everybody asks me that question, and I just pray to God that whatever that answer should be, that at the given time, that he will direct my steps and my actions, and that I will do what's in the best interest of me and my family, and in the best interest of the community. But let's get, let's don't get this wrong. I love my community. I live in it. My home is in it. Right. You know, my grandbabies have grown up in this house. It means a lot to us. And I think I hurt because we can be better, not because we're not better. Mm. I hurt because we can be better. Oh, the potential. The potential. It's like a child who can do anything they want to do, but they fail to step up to the plate and just hit the ball. Right. Just hit the ball. Mm. Swing that back. Can you give (laughs) us some closing? That was so good. I'm going to ask you to give us some closing remarks. Sure. Well, first of all, camera one. I, I want the audience to know, especially our young people out there, if you are the type of person that is creative and you love to get things done and you're an independent worker and thinker, consider entrepreneurship as a way of building your, your life as you mature. Um, entrepreneurship is not for everybody, but I think it's important for us to fill a healthy pipeline with young adults so that when they reach a certain age, they are already prepared with the proper infrastructure, the funding, whatever they need in order to start small businesses. Number two, I don't want the young people or anyone to get discouraged with politics. One thing we have to realize is that You have to get engaged. You have to be involved if you want to make a difference. You can't just have lip service. You got to get out there and you have to be willing to suffer the rewards of your decision and the consequences. If you cannot suffer both of them, I would not get into entrepreneurship or politics because both of them comes with rich rewards, but They also come with a set of consequences. You can't be scared. You can't be frail. You can't be weak. And you have to own up to whatever it is and be willing to take your hits for what you stand for. If you're that type of person, I'd like to mentor you. I'd like to bring you into the fold. I'd like to help you start that small business. And even more so, don't get discouraged with politics because you can be the the leader One day, if you just step up to the plate and you can change everything, it only takes a small group 
of concerned citizens. You don't need a thousand people following you. Just get three or four that's willing to die for what they believe in. And I promise you, we'll change our black communities. Nice. And with that said, we want to thank you once again for tuning in to Entitled to Truth 2. Thank you, Dr. And thank you for having me. It's our pleasure.